Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. We'd like to thank our patrons for making these things possible. Brian Bridges, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Frog Shark, Robin Mims, Thomas Wayne Haley, Rip Rex, and Tim Demuse. We'd also like to honor the memory of Wesley Sullivan. Now, let us listen. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z. Uh, yeah, I was about to get um, enslaved by a dragon. Bitch, that dragon kissed my ass. The dragon does whatever it wants. It is a We know what it wanted to you. do. It wanted to get the fuck off because it don't need to be fucking with a deer. It technically saved you from a very nasty creature. A Wendigo. Which may or may not have been dealt with later anyway. But that aside... <laughs> Kumiho uh, acted exactly how he thought he should act, being chased in a canyon by a monster. You were, you were Blew in the, the horn of horny dragons. I saw it as a canyon type thing where we were, we didn't really have a whole lot of wiggle room, so we were just being pounded by this thing. Oh, no, I thought it was on the side immense, of a mountain. Yeah. No, there yeah, were like mountains on one side, but like there was plenty of wiggle room. The, the problem was like speed mostly. Speed Whatever. and tenacity. Kumio had the horny dragon horn, and he blew it. Yep. Blew the horn. He blew the horny dragon clips there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's why I do the things I do. <laughs> so, uh, we will pick up this time uh, with the dragon standing there looking rather maliciously at the two of you. Um, your cart pulled ahead a little bit further away from where you currently are, and the corpse of the... Uh, the corpse Wendigo? of Wendigo uh, cu- currently smoldering in a snow pile off to the side of the road uh, because Adira shot it down with a firebolt. Can... Can I inspect the corpse? Uh, you may. During your approach to this corpse, the dragon is going to say, Well then, it's time that I take you with me. And he begins to raise one of his claws. Uh, excuse me? He begins to raise one of his claws. And little sparks of green energy come off of his claws and his eyes glow with the purple light. And then he really starts to slow down until eventually he stops and make me perception check. And I have to look because I didn't play a deer in a while. Okay, she gets plus seven. Ugh. 16. Seven. <laughs> so Kumiho, you're waiting in horror for whatever this dragon is casting. 
Uh, Adira, you on the other hand, though the the wind and snow have uh, after the Wendigo died, it, it became very calm very quickly. Uh, but you take note that there was still some falling snow and it's not falling anymore. It's just kind of floating in midair. <sighs> Teraxis, is that you, babe? Uh, you look around and see no Teraxis. Okay, this is strict. Kumio, you don't stop time, do you? Not that I'm aware of, unless it's a, a newfound ability in the face of certain death. So, a moment later, Adira, you would take notice of the sound of crunching footsteps through snow. I will uh, turn to face the footsteps. I do still have my shield and armor. Okay. So you turn and you see uh, further up the road from where you are, a somewhat elderly man uh, in bluish green, sort of not not quite teal, more of a more of a blue with a slight green tint, uh, robes, uh, and a large book tucked under his arm, uh, kind of walking through the snow uh, rather calmly, and uh, he he raises a hand. Uh, to wave as he, as he steps through a particularly thick drift of snow on the road. Did I? Did you do this? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I've been expecting you and uh, noticed you'd been way late. Oh, you must be the mage from the tower. I am. Uh, Whitland's the name. Yeah, told me about you. Um, yes, well... I suppose all's in good order. Ah, uh, he continues making his way over. Uh, this won't last forever. I suggest we uh, do make some, uh, make our way. I can do a little bit to hinder him further, but this, uh, this chrono bubble will not last forever. Um, okay. I'll pretend like I know what that means. Uh, and he he begins walking towards the dragon. I still want to check out this corpse, though. Okay, so you go and check on it. Uh, the there are little flames on its back that are frozen in in uh, in time. Uh, but it it looks quite dead. But you're also like you would probably venture a guess that you wouldn't be able to feel a pulse or anything if it had one. Right. Like decapitated or some shit, just to be safe. Uh, yeah, you've got a you've got a sword. I got a scimitar. You have a scimitar. So you I'll do. decapitate it. All right, make me a perception check. Uh, eighteen plus seven. So you're not sure if it's the time being stopped or, uh, or what, but. If you slice through this thing's neck quite easily. Okay. You also notice that, like, any blood that squirts out is, like, purely from the force exerted on it, and then it immediately stops as soon as you're not touching it again. That's fine. As long as its head is gone. There's, like, a clean cut right through its head, and, like, you can see the little line. <laughs> as long as its head is gone. That's all that matters. So it is dead. 
Uh, at this point, uh, Whitlin is getting closer to you, Kumiho, as you were over by the dragon. Uh, he's a, he's got a sort of like a small, um, he's got like a pleasant look on his face, uh, light and, uh, as it, as if, uh, you know, kind of like a old man happy to see someone. And he, he waves to you as well as he comes up closer. Greetings, uh, traveler. We have quite a number with us. Can you get us all away safely? I believe I can, and it will help to put some distance, uh, not only from here, but also uh, put this one away somewhere for a time. And he opens his book, um, which is quite hefty. Um, and tar- uh, the pages like automatically furl to a particular page upon which he begins encanting in a... Uh, you would recognize it as simply arcane uh, language. Uh, you don't necessarily understand it very well, but uh, uh, you do know that generally like speaking... Like Arcana it's, or Spellcraft? Uh, you can uh, make such checks should you lose a witch. Oh, I actually have Arcana. So... Uh... Nope. Uh, 27 Arcana and a 14 Spellcraft. You are unsure what spell he is casting, though uh, you you are familiar with the arcane language. Um, not necessarily that you've heard it before, but much in the way that, for example, uh, Baron would understand Sylvan just from a... Uh, just from an innate sense, uh, you, you seem to kind of understand the words. Um, he, you know that he's doing an incanta- incantation, uh, which is a type of somewhat slower magic, but it uh, that requires a powerful caster to perform. But uh, they don't necessarily take up uh, spell slots. Incantations are almost like scrolls. Uh, except they can be used. Um, and so for like a minute or so, he's he's chanting, and then uh, several sigils appear around the dragon uh, and fold over it, and the dragon is vanished. Well, I think Adira is going to just go back to the cart and check on her little boy. Baron, you're eight years old and have no knowledge of your skills. This lady who's been taking care of you, uh, you know, is Adira. Um, there was a huge fight outside and now it's really quiet. But she comes to the thing. Which, by the way, everybody, welcome Eric, now playing Baron. Hello. <laughs> you're not actually <laughs> eight. <laughs> you're not physically eight. You don't know my oh. life. He literally does. (laughs) When you put it that way. (laughs) I I dare I'll just crawl back up in the cart and... You okay, sweetie? Yeah, well... What was going on out there? Um... There there, there was a monster it's taken care of. Nothing to worry about. Not the Lucky Charms guy. 
I get what I asked for. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting there kind of uh, kicking my feet um, on the bench. And, uh, is, uh, is Kamiho okay? Is he yeah. still out there? Or he's Everybody's fine. He's talking to the mage. The, the, the mage I told you we were going to go see because he can uh, help you remember things. Uh, he's, he came to us? Uh, yes. And we're going to go back to his place with him. Uh, I start to lean out the the door of the <laughs> the carriage to try and get a look at him. But yeah, he's out there. I assume at this point he'd actually still be casting. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that thing where I'm just kind of like peeking my head out so I can like try and get a glance at him without him seeing me. <laughs> uh, he is distracted, but... He, he's busy at the moment, but you can you can go out and when he's through, you can say hello to me. So, Whitlin uh, finishes casting the spell. The dragon vanishes. Uh, Kumiho, you're like right there. Um, do you have anything in particular to say? Or yeah, uh, at the disappearance of the dragon entirely, uh, he'll kind of like take a start. Where did it go? Did it go invisible? No, it's not invisible. I sent it to a little plane in which it will have, I assume, relatively little uh, difficulty escaping, but uh, it will give us some time to put some distance, and hopefully it won't be able to follow you. If it ever gets back to here, I'm really glad I gave it a false name. Go on, Baron. Go out and say hello. Um, I, I shrink back into the carriage. <laughs> <laughs> we were set to go to your tower. Is it far? I suppose it might be by most standards, but I can get us there a touch quicker. I don't know if it's Don or Kumiho that wants to roll his eyes at the uh, the, the wordplay of wizards. I'm having difficulty here. Uh, Kumiko, I'll just go back and uh, get Sweet Feet. Uh, make sure Sweet Feet's all patched up, good to go for the travel. Uh, sweet Feet is alive, um, which is important given that. Yes, yeah, sweet, sweet Feet, feet has was like... attached. Was Sweet Feet was attached to the cart along with the summoned horses because we were trying to make time because mm-hmm. of the wind to go. I it's remember hard out, something. Hard to outrun something with like a hundred foot perfect fly speed. Um, That's the reason you call for horny dragons. Because <laughs> they have 120 foot clumsy fly speed. Uh, but yes, he will uh, step forth ahead of the carriage and he will once again open his book and uh, begin uh, speaking. This goes much quicker though, only taking uh, about a round of casting time. And he um, places his hand on Sweet Feet and uh, echoes of several other of these sort of uh, pale, uh, pale yellow and orange uh, sigils dance across the uh, exterior of the horses. And he says, well then, this will help us uh, get along our way. Um, Everybody on, 
and he he'll like sit up on the front of the cart off to the side a little bit well i think most of us are in the cart yeah camille hop up uh and he'll he'll um hand you the reins uh you notice that there are little uh circles and sigils across it of um the same color like this will help you control them uh, thank you uh he'll take them uh you notice that everything around you um including or that that you know is currently moving so Whitlin and those back in the cart and whatnot uh seem to slow down significantly uh but you can also tell at the same time that this is quite mental it's not um you're you're not uh, speeding up so much as your perception is enhanced. uh and so you you spurn the horses onward and snow just like fucking shoots out from behind the cart uh as the entire thing is just rocketing forward and uh about an hour later um the countryside just flashing by uh but with your enhanced perception uh could be how you're able to control the horses with relative ease there's not not like a point where it's just like oh shit we're gonna crash although to the people in the back it <laughs> everything's just zipping by it's like a fucking blur uh, you leave the Ironhurst Mountains behind uh, very swiftly um, they fade into the uh, the distance um, and the sun is overhead uh, yes uh, Eric probably doesn't know that the world started turning <laughs> So the sun is high overhead as you rip through the countryside. As we're zipping through at this uh, very fast speed, is the sun moving faster at all, or is it just us? No, it's just you. And you would also notice, like, at this point, like, uh, things are moving around you again, uh, like, naturally speaking. Um, And it's warmed up uh, a fair amount as well now that the window goes not following you and making it fucking snow um but you're just ripping through the countryside eventually a small mountain range juts up out of the middle of a wide plain uh and, and you can see with great clarity uh the reason why this place is called the emerald mountains as the mountains themselves appear to be made out of uh, giant uh, giant uh, green crystal of some kind. Whitlin will sort of point you to an area to approach uh, and eventually uh, just, just as you arrive at about where he designated the sigils and runes across the horses and the, the gear, uh, the tack um, fade and everything kind of just becomes normal again. And this was a trip that was originally going to take us another two weeks, right? Um, I'm pretty sure you, that's what you said. Uh, I think I think you're partway through that already. I think it was going to take you like another four or five days. But yeah, you've gotten at least several days of travel done in like an hour. Can we keep him? <laughs> Can we send him to another podcast? <laughs> pew pew so uh Whitlin uh will disembark from the uh 
from the wagon. Says, I'm quite sorry, but I'm afraid my home does not facilitate much in the way of vehicular access. However, I can, uh, I do have a place where your horses can stay out of the elements. Please follow me. Well, most of the horses are summoned. Only one of them needs a place to stay out of the elements. Of course. Then the one. Uh, that'd be my noble steed, Sweet Feet. But uh, just a moment. And uh, Kumio is going to spend a few minutes. Uh, he's just going to just <laughs> crouch down in front of Sweet Feet and uh, pray for uh, about 15 minutes. Okay. And cast a level two spell. All right. Uh, and I'm going to cast Carry Companion. I touch uh, an animal. That store them inside of you? Uh, it turns into a miniature figurine of stone. Hands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It lets you turn them into a figurine of wondrous power. That's neat. Yep. yep. And then uh, I'll just put it in my pocket. No additional services are required. Thank you. Very well, then, if you will please follow me. And he begins walking toward the crystalline uh, edifice jutting out of the ground uh, before you. Come along, Baron. Uh, Baron is walking directly behind Adira. <laughs> Arrestia sort of groggily um, leaves the cart and mumbling to herself uh, a little bit as she follows. She... She seems like she's seen better days. Almost seems like she's taken 11 wisdom damage. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. We all know the look. But we all look like the day after podcasting, right? Yes. Uh, She's following behind, grumbling a little bit. And Whitlam walks forward to what appears to be a rather solid um, facet of the mountain. Um... He'll walk over to the right of it and you make perceptions, all three of you. Uh, you will still have full perception ranks up there. Sure, God, if the eight year old beats me, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> 22. Nine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a 20 plus nine for a 29. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this podcast. <laughs> so, so, Baron, your disillusioned, childlike eyes uh, see that um, this facet ahead. Um, it's very uh, like difficult to look at the entirety of this mountain with it reflecting and refracting light, but you can tell that like what's ahead isn't like magic or anything like that. It's just an optical illusion caused by the reflection of. The sharp facets and the reflection of light. There's he's actually walking behind something. So there's no illusion or anything or magic fuckery. Um what did uh Adira get? Twenty-two. Uh yeah, you basically pick up the same thing. Kumiho, mm-hmm. uh, you probably grumble at the um at the workings of wizards and their magic and their illusions. Yep. <laughs> and until you get there and realize what it is. But yes, he he um he walks behind a facet, a uh, large blade of this emerald-looking crystal, and uh, there is a path behind it that um, is actually well carved and uh, well suited to um, walking. It doesn't look like if you slip and fall, you're going to get bisected. 
Um, did uh, did Kumio see this path? Yeah. Uh, once you're around the thing, once you followed Whitlin. Kumio will point to it. Everyone, look! I found the path! <laughs> Game over. It's not really finding the path when it's right in front of you. Game over. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was Baron saying? <laughs> I said it's not really finding the path when it's right in front of you. Eight-year-old Baron still sassy. <laughs> this stairway um, leads up in a safe path hidden by the multiple facets of, uh, of the Emerald Mountains and eventually to a lo- rather large uh, cylindrical tower uh, peering out from atop or not really a top, but uh, about one of the uh, mountains. Uh, and it's about, you would guess, it's about 40 feet uh, in diameter, uh, this tower. But who wants to take a guess as to whether or not it's bigger inside? It's a mage's tower, of course it is. I'm afraid to roll dice. <laughs> I don't roll above uh, a ten. And the tower looks to be about uh, quite tall. It looks to be about like 120 feet tall. Um and to your great surprise, when you get inside it's about forty feet across. Um <laughs> and very openly sort of decorated it's there's not like a bunch of dividing walls at least not in this on this first floor uh which has a sort of a domish vaulted ceiling um with a spiral staircase at the far wall uh leading upward or not a spiral um like along the wall like it curves along the wall it goes up um uh, this first floor is very um, homey, um, if a little rustic, um, with some nice, uh, nice furnishings, uh, rather comfortable looking, and plenty of space. There's a kitchen and whatnot. It, it looks quite a bit like a common room for a living space. Welcome to my tower. This is... Uh, the Tower of Emerald Mountain. A very original name, I know. I suppose there are other reasons why you've come here than to admire my living room. And I figured if you knew we were coming, then you knew why, what was going on. Well, that's going to depend on the shard. Well, Baron here, you can see, um, he's a full-grown man. Mm-hmm. Except that he doesn't know that right now. Um... He grabbed a hold of me while I was having a seizure and his head was filled with uh, memories of Taraxis. I see. And he went into a coma and uh, Omiho and Aristia were able to save his life, but he seems to have suffered some severe memory loss. I see. I believe I understand the situation then. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, then 
I believe you, Aristia, and he motions to are rather plate at the moment, not in disease, but of mind. Uh, she kind of like grumbles and nods. Uh, yes, then I can aid in both of those. Aristia, yours will be much simpler if you will please come with me. And uh, uh, he turns up, uh, please, uh, the metal case over there, and he motions towards the kitchen, uh, has all manner of food in it. Please help yourselves. I will return shortly with Arestia. And he takes her upstairs. Are you hungry, Baron? A little. Well, go see what's in the case. I'll, I'll go open it. Uh, indeed, there is quite a bit of food in there. The case is rather cool, uh, yet all of the food uh, looks hot and ready to eat. There's everything from a turkey dinner to a, like, like really down-home food, street food, uh, salad, you name it. All of it looks very fresh. You see some fajitas and they're still sizzling. Pull out, like, a, a plain sandwich-like meat and bread. And I'm going to start tearing the, uh, like, the crust off of it as I eat. <laughs> <laughs> That it, it tastes butcher fresh, uh, <laughs> and crustless. Uh, you would notice, like, as you drop crumbs and like little pieces of bread on the floor, a little tiny, like, a like almost like a scrub brush, uh, but a little bit taller, kind of like just shoots out from underneath one of the tables and like pushes it along towards a little gap, like at the base of the of a cabinet, and it just like brushes it down in there and then it goes back and it hides. Oh, I, I sit down then, like, um, with my legs out in front of me, and as I'm eating, I drop uh, the bits of crust that I tear off onto the floor and watch it like I'm feeding a pet. Yeah, every time it goes in, it just shoves them into this little crack in the wall. I want a self-cleaning house. Abusing the Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeding it. <laughs> You're feeding a gelatinous cube. <laughs> Hey, 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 are you bullying my son? <laughs> Was that Tracy or Adira? <laughs> it's Adira. Okay. She, she will kick the DM's ass if he if he starts bullying. A little, little bear in there. All right. So do, do uh, Kumiho or Adira want anything? No, I think Adira's good. Uh, Kumiho just escaped, uh, draconic slavery, so he's feeling a little peckish. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll go down there and grab a vine of grapes. Uh, there, there are some, and they're very fresh, very tart. They're, like, cooled in a mountain river stream. Very nice. You're making me really hungry, Sean. Good job. Draconic slavery makes Kumiho hungry. Everybody take note of that. Oh, avoiding it. Uh, yeah, avoiding it. Uh, yeah, uh, and he'll chew on them and seeing, uh, Baron toss food, he'll, uh, chew on the grapes and, uh, spit the seeds on the floor. <laughs> and the, the little, the little brush will come out and just, and like, they're a little wet. So you see this little, um, you see a little rag also come out and it, like, <laughs> mops up the floor and then it retreats, or a little sponge. After probably about five minutes or so. Uh, Arrestia will start down the stairs and uh, uh, Whitlin behind her by by a moment and she'll uh, she'll walk up. Oh, I'm feeling much better now. That's good. Concerns me how much 
power is stored in this place, but I suppose if it's well kept. Do you suspect something nefarious? I don't know about nefarious, but there is a lot of... Well, I suppose you'll see eventually. There is a lot of very powerful magic here in the possession of a singular person whom I personally cannot necessarily vet for. Well, Uh, that's not really my biggest concern right now, so... Of course. Yes, now that you're healed, we can see the Baron. Which I believe he's coming to do. And like, about this point, uh, Whitman gets to the bottom of the stairs and uh, comes across his like, all right, Baron, let's let's have a go at you and see if we can't get you fixed up. He'll start to walk over and kind of stop around where um, Adira is and then like look at her to see if she's going to come with him. Well, yes, come on. I'm not going to leave you alone. Then he'll uh, continue on. So you head upstairs. Uh, there's a second room up here. Uh, it's much more Spartan and also a lot smaller. It's only about 15 feet across, but e- basically every every single uh, bit of wall is taken up by a door or a door frame. Uh, there are four open door frames, uh, which lead into hallways. Um, and in between each of those, there are three more doors. Uh, t- he takes you to the left to a middle door, and uh, he opens it, and there's another stairway. Um, but it's very short. It's only like three steps. And you step up, and there's another rather large um, room. This one is filled with uh, several cases uh, in which weapons, items, and oddities are all stored uh, and on display. Uh, walking through this room, uh, there's another door at the far end. You open it, or he opens it and leads in. It's a much smaller room once again. Uh, and this one looks a little bit like a um, like a room with an altar in it, but the altar is um, bare and padded, uh, <clears throat> bearing no holy symbols. It's just uh, like a big table with uh, some cushioning on it. Um, arcane sigils. Uh, adorn the room and there is a large mechanical clock uh, on the right side of the room. So Whitman will motion towards the uh, towards the table and be like, please Whitman, if you will make your way up here and have a lie down. Oh, okay, but I'm not tired. You don't need to sleep. It's just a place of focus. We'll go up there. We'll plop on down. Adira, please, if you will stay behind this line here, and he motions to a circle on the ground. All right. We don't want to be crossing too many paths. It makes it difficult to manage. Uh, He will uh, step forward, and he's inside that circle, but there's another circle within that one that's much smaller that he stands in that's right next to the table, and he will begin casting. Uh... And this will take about 10 minutes, all in all. Uh, Adira, you would notice that the clock on the far wall spins forward and backwards several times during the uh, course of this, sometimes ticking at normal speeds and others, uh, where the hands are spinning so fast that you can almost feel a slight breeze in the room. But she's not even pretending that she understands any of this. This is just what she was told needed to be done. 
So, uh, Baron, your memories come rushing back to you. Uh, and also, um, a series of events that you would be aware didn't happen, but now they have. And, uh, the, um, the voice, the, the, the dragon snake from your dreams and that you've seen aspects of throughout your childhood, um, the thing that sent you to find the orb, it had now at one point during, uh, the new year, uh, called upon you and you were teleported for a short time to the first world to a deep underwater abode. You are now, for whatever reason, we're not before, but are now the champion of Ragadon, the first Lenorm. In addition, you will find, um, while you have no, like, item, uh, you have the ability to, you have the ability to breathe in water. Your uh, scales have taken on a more vibrant and exact sort of like blue color um you gain a swim speed equal to your land speed okay and i will figure out other things to give you later um <coughs> so for uh someone who doesn't really know the pathfinder uh pantheon as well what is ragadon's uh domain and all that stuff uh ragadon is known as the water lord serpent king and the world serpent father of dragons uh, he is actually an eldest. He's not a traditional god. Um, he is one of the most powerful beings of the first world. Like Cthulhu eldest? Sort no, of uh, the eldest are very old fey. Um, essentially, the first world was created before the material plane. And the gods went and played with a bunch of ideas and then just kind of like shoved it off in the corner and forgot about it. Oh, damn. <clears throat> And so a lot of that's why a lot of Fae don't like gods. Um, and the eldest um, tend to like them even less because they're the most powerful. They're the things akin to gods in the first world, and mm. they were effectively abandoned by their creators. Um, so Ragadan appears as a Lenorm, um, which are long snake like dragons with. Uh, like front legs, but they don't really have back legs or anything. And Ragadan, for the sake of Baron, um, he may not expressly understand this, but this is for Eric's benefit. Uh, Ragadan is chaotic evil. Um, and uh, he's basically a big giant asshat that wants to be king of everything. Um, he, he's arrogant, ultimately, but he's also very wise. Um, he holds oceans and water sacred, believing that they hosted the first forms of life and the secrets to eternity. Uh, and he lives in a great abandoned under underwater city, not unlike Cthulhu, um, but he isn't Cthulhu. And he uh, essentially unlocked a distant relation uh, to himself through you as your uh, mythic power. So instead of giving you like an actual physical item, he gave you power that is in relation to him. Uh, so you're able to swim uh, with ease and breathe in water for now. And I'll, I'll figure out something to add to that later. Uh, but you have your memories back. You are an adult again. And 
your wisdom damage is healed. Um, so I'll kind of sit up and rub my temples for a bit as all of these memories that hadn't happened but have uh, kind of fill my my um, my thoughts first and foremost and then I I open my eyes and turn to uh, turn to Whitlin and uh, <clears throat> I'll say well uh, if you're looking for praise You'll get it after you die, but for now you can have my thanks, and I'll go to shake his hand. Of course. Uh, which also, as a note, I don't know if it showed you. Um, Baron is not chaotic evil. Um, I had him as chaotic neutral, um, but you can do it with him as you'd like. Uh, that's just the idea I had uh, as the base. Okay. Um. You're very welcome. Uh, it would seem that a pair of shards intersected. So I'm sure there are a few things that may have happened to you now that hadn't before. But our worlds are fused now. Uh, hopefully the change is not terribly impactful to the way that things will end. But it was better to do this good than it would be to leave it undone. He nods a bit and goes, Yeah, I don't think there's anything too vastly different uh, between these shards. Um, does does Baron know about Taraxxus? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't think he's seen him, uh, uh, but he knows about him. Okay. So he kind of understands. Yeah, Adira makes no uh, secret about talking with him and and whatnot. Uh, Okay. So. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll walk over to Adira and give her a bit of a, like a a curtain nod. And uh, (laughs) say, uh, thank you for watching over me while I was uh, indisposed, as it were. Well, it was basically my fault, so... Uh, no use, uh, taking blame at this point. Uh, what's done is done, and... I think we're, uh... All better off for it. Lessons learned and whatnot. I'm glad you're not angry. There's, uh... No, it's... I feel like... More of a person now, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's how it feels. I'm just glad you're not a child anymore. Less of an NPC. (laughs) (laughs) We may rejoin the others in the uh, in the living area now. uh, As as uh, he motions out of the room for you into that. that larger room with all the different stuff on display in it. And he turns and waves his hand and the door that uh, was there will vanish from the wall. Just a large um, tapestry in its place. She's just going to head back down where she's supposed to be. Yeah, I'm I'm not messing with him. (laughs) Kumiho, um, would you do anything during those 10 or so minutes that they were gone? Uh, no, uh, the way I see it is that Kumio's 
very much like in a waiting room of a hospital, <laughs> just kind of pacing around looking at all this stuff. Uh, but he doesn't want to meddle with any of it. But uh, I guess because he is who he is, he'll just do a casual detect evil uh, around. Uh, you pick up a few auras of detect evil um, on, on your detect evil, uh, mm-hmm. which, uh, of course... Um, are, oh, first, actually, I should ask, are you using it specifically to detect evil? Are you using it to detect opposing alignment? Opposing alignments, actually. Uh, yes, yeah, still a few. Um, okay. Yeah, they're, they're, not... they're scattered about, and you find it hard to determine their exact direction. But generally speaking, you know they're above you. And he's not—I should say—he's not like snooping around. He just—he uh, was surprised by the Wendigo. He was surprised by the sun rising. He was surprised by the dragon. So he's kind of just on guard now, seeing if there's a. Uh, any uh, would-be threats. So yeah, that's why he's focusing on opposing alignments rather than just strictly evil. But yeah, he's not going to like, if he detects one or gets close to it, he's not going to try and destroy it or anything. He just wants to get the lay of the land. Right. Um, All of them seem to be above you uh, with indeterminate exactness. You're aware of their presence, but not their location. Okay. And he's just kind of, every now and then as he's walking around, uh, I don't know how much time past for him but uh he'll just kind of scoff uh at like when he can't when he feels like he's close but then it's that that indeterminate exactness you said uh he'll just kind of scoff i feel like kumio's like you're aware it's like on the other side of the ceiling like gotcha yeah he's just kind of uh not impressed by magic so it's it's not a wondrous thing for him so he's feels like wizards are kind of showboaty i think is kind of how i'm feeling uh, that's fair um not a showboaty as bards <laughs> but uh so yeah you you poke around uh trying to get a general idea of, of what's up um when about 10 minutes later um adira kumiho and whitland will both will all descend no try that sentence again what did I say? You said Adira and Kumiho and Whitland uh, will descend. Adira, Baron, and Whitland. My bad. Yeah, You're going down the stairs, Kumiho. <laughs> Red X on the back of your neck. Uh, uh, Smite. <laughs> Smite self. Yeah. So you return to the main chamber, and Whitland will say, Well, with that. And with all of that taken care of, I'm glad that your allies are well, Madeira, Kamiho, and I assume now, Baron, you all have a very important mission to attend to, but you should take some time to rest, and perhaps I can do other things to aid you uh, after some thought. Please feel free, and he'll motion to a door that wasn't there, like five seconds ago, I have rooms that you may all rest in, and of course, food, uh, uh, games for your entertainment on that shelf there. Please take whatever time you need to rest. And though Adira, I know that you're quite friendly with him. Those of you who may not be so much so, uh, your friend Taraxis cannot enter this place. Mm, he did seem to 
indicate there was some dislike between the two of you? We have opposing viewpoints and desires, though we have similar skill sets, shall we say. Is there anything about him you could reveal to us? Something I have not known him very long, but I am curious. There are many things I could tell you about Taraxis, as that is the name you know him by, but some of it could be upsetting to the shards. So I'm afraid there's not too much I can share. But what are these shards you keep talking about? The, how to explain it? Shards are different courses of time in a faceted sort of existence. Think of them almost as windows, but not ones that you should open or close. So you can move through time like he can? I can, though not with such natural fluidity. But you appear to be human. I am, though I have and will live much longer than most. Oh, I have so many questions. I'm sure you do, unfortunately. Uh, not all of them can be answered. Some of them can. So be feel, feel free to ask. But not all of them can. Not without upsetting things. I'm just curious. You, uh, if you can move through time as he can, then you can see what he sees. And not mm. screw up your mind? Not exactly. I traverse time differently to him. I can provide it to a similar effect. But I am still a being of different existence than him. While I can push these boundaries, I could not inherently see as he could, at least not with great ease. I can get close. It was just when, when I came into contact with him to try and understand him, the images that filled my mind, they're, they're what caused the seizures. Yes. He says that I am too primitive to understand him. A rude way of putting it, but not incorrect. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't mean to be rude. But you are human and you can understand it. To a fair degree. How? Mostly, to put it simply, a lot of magic. I am one of five who have mastered and assumed the mantles of sage. In this world, we carry with us a great number of magical secrets and responsibilities. I am the Sage of Time, and there are others who cover different aspects of mastery. Do these other sages, are they color-coded as well? Color-coded. Emerald Mountains? Oh, uh, no. That simply happens to be my home. <laughs> so can you teach me <clears throat> to understand him? I can aid you. It's not necessarily 
something that can be taught as so much as something one must become accustomed to. All right, so how do we do that? I'm afraid there's not enough time, at least currently, to do so with any great amount of reason. However, perhaps after... Perhaps after the world is protected from utter and severe destruction, we could do such a thing. I could teach you. As you can tell, I'm not exactly a young man. Eventually, I will die. There will need to be a new sage. I don't age. Indeed, you do not. Which, if you otherwise find the position hospitable, and I find you as such for it, you may be a prime candidate. All right. But now is not that time. I can aid you in your understanding, but for now, there is far too much of that to do. And if you were to see the images in my head that were left behind by him, would they harm you? I do not think they would harm me. I may not be able to comprehend them appropriately, but as I said, I am much more accustomed to such things. It is dangerous for me to remember them, but... I keep trying. I have to make sense of this. I do have some magic that is not a part of my specific purview that can aid in this matter. But for now, I would suggest getting some rest. You will need it if we are to perform such a thing. All right. All right, then I will rest. It's the first step anyway. Very well. And I should share with you some information tomorrow as well. There are many things that will not upset the balance in a poor way and the shards may align in such a way that they are useful but I must ruminate on this please help yourselves to any of the amenities I do suggest not venturing upward in the tower without me as a guide it can become quite easy to become lost like, Adira's got her mindset now. She's just, she's going to get some rest. She'll, she'll probably eat something, but she's going to get some rest and prepare for this the best she can. Okay. She, she finally has a chance to understand something, and something is better than nothing. Miho, Baron, y'all got anything? Uh, no, he'll just see that everything else is taken care of, and then he'll get some rest. Yeah. While they were talking, Baron went and just grabbed, like, little crackers. Um to munch on and then like every now and then he'll just crumble one up onto the ground and smirk at the thing um he has a a look on his face it feels very um nostalgic now yeah that's what i was gonna say like it's it's like remembering something from your childhood just um more than more than anything he's kind of like (laughs) the good old days (laughs) the good old days of 15 minutes ago and now you're charged with saving the world. <laughs> saving is a strong term, but... You know what this world needs? More water. Yep. <laughs> but other than that, he's he's ready to go to bed. Okay. So we will leave off there. 
Hi there, my name's Don. I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to. I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on. When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder Homebrew Adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. G'day, this is Dick Horney, inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder's Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler, Cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. Visit Eldritch Dream and Dustress Podcast on Twitter for details. They took to the stars and became stars. So it says here you're from another galaxy? Yeah, Milky Way. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to seeing that. A band that influenced entire galaxies. Sector 8, let's make some... Until their inevitable downfall. Fuck you, and fuck you too, Switzerland. Thanks for having my fucking back. Now, 20 years later, they find themselves unpleasantly reunited. James, what are you doing here? We're an entire motherfucking galaxy, and you show up on this place. In a place where things are not what they expected. One of our staff members just happened to go missing this morning, and uh, I kind of had... Travis? I understand. Why the uh, fuck do you have a guitar? <laughs> LCP D&D presents Odyssey, a musical actual play adventure set in space using the Savage World system. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D on your favorite podcast platform or find us at lcpdnd.com. Welcome, Forsaken Travelers. Do you like sci-fi fantasy atmosphere? Do you like bad, scary movies, cult classics, and more? The Crow, Beetlejuice, Frankenstein? What about dad jokes? We have those, too. Tune in to the podcast for the untimely dead every other Sunday on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. If you would like to become a patron, check us out on patreon.com forward slash Dream. Also, if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. You can also find us in the Hive, that's our Discord, link in the description below. You can also find a link to our merch on sonerdware.com. And find us on Twitter, at EldritchDream, at EternaP, and at Dustress Podcast. And until next time, everybody... May the Elder Gods haunt your dreams.